Good evening, church family. 
A couple of announcements uh, before we have our devotional. Um, as a reminder, this Sunday, this is exciting news, so if everybody pay attention, it is Turkey Church. Cannot wait. Uh, so I do encourage everybody to come, invite a friend to come with you. Um, great time to fellowship with one another. Um, and then after we're done with Turkey Church, we'll have service at 1 o'clock after we've stuffed ourselves. And um, we're miserable, and we can sit in here and listen to Chris. And, um, but, uh, you know, what a great time to fellowship. And then after that, we can work our dinner off or our lunch off doing service projects. And I do encourage everybody to get involved with our service projects. It's a great opportunity for us to fellowship with one another, to serve God, and serve our community. Um, all the things that we want to do as, 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 as a church here at Rome so do get involved with our service projects uh, after our services at 1 o'clock. Also, April 3rd uh, will be Sunday for the Savior, so please get your kids involved with uh, the Sunday for the Savior. Also, April 6th will be our Stepping Stones dinner on Wednesday, so please put that in your calendar. Um, I don't see Connie. Connie here? Beef stroganoff. Beef stroganoff is on the menu. All right. So... We like to eat here at Rome for those people if you're visiting and those who are watching online. So do come to, to that, and that's at 530. <clears throat> also, April 10th will be the high school devotional and middle school devotional. And preacher rotation, Mark Eights will, from South Point will be our speaker that day. So please uh, come listen to Mark. And April 16th from 10 to 11 will be our egg hunt. Uh, there's some eggs out in the foyer uh, and some bags. If you can take a bag of eggs and fill it up with candy, be greatly appreciated for this event. Also, there's a sign-up sheet on the bulletin board for food for Casey Baker and James and Kristen Ward. So if, uh, if you can help out with a meal uh, uh, for them, I know, they'd gr I know they'd greatly appreciate it. And um, you know, if you can do a meal for them, uh, please sign up on the board in the, on, in the foyer. Um, if you're new here and you want to do that as well, just see another member, and they will be more than happy to show you where that uh, sign-up sheet's at, um, so that way you can get involved. Updates on our prayer list. Uh, Jim Haney was diagnosed with multiple myeloma. Thank you. Myeloma. If I can get it out. Um, but remember to keep Jim Haney in your prayers at this time as he's uh, going through a difficult time. Uh, also, I'll have my gallbladder surgery on the 31st next week. Uh, J.D. Lawson, that's J.B. and Wanda's grandson, he's having some heart issues at this time. And uh, remember to continue to keep him in your prayers. Uh, Roger Pryor, he's doing better, which is great news. He's getting outside. He's, um, he, he's, he's more active. So that's great news. Just remember to continue to keep, um, and he's going through physical therapy as well. So remember to continue to keep Roger and Peg in your prayers. Um, Yvonne Cornell is still at St. Mary's. Um, if you want to send her a card, I know she'd greatly appreciate it. She's at room 5163. Um, remember to continue to keep uh, Sean Maynard in your prayers. That's Gail's son. Um, he's still suffering, so remember to continue to keep him in your prayers. Uh, Judy Gerald's asked for prayers as well, and uh, Mary continue to keep uh, Jennifer Baker in your prayers and the family. She uh, uh, deals with her cancer treatments. 
And Merv continued to keep Kristen and James and the rest of that family in your prayers at this time as well. That's all the announcements I have. Um, <clears throat> I miss anything? All right. That's all the announcements I have. Um, let's go to God in prayer at this time. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful and blessed to be here this evening, Lord, to, to learn more about you, Lord, to be able to apply your word to our everyday lives. That way we can share your wisdom, your knowledge within our community, within our work, within our schools, Lord, that, that we are able to share your word of salvation, that, that you sent your son to die on the cross for us, Lord. That way we one day we'll have eternal life with you, Lord. Lord, continue to be with our elders and the decisions they make for this congregation be with them, be with us as we uplift them and encourage them, Lord. Just continue to be with them and their families. Lord, continue to be with our deacons in the work that they do here, Lord. Be with them and their, and their families as well, Lord, that, that we are encouragement to them and that we are <clears throat> getting involved with the work that they do here, Lord. That everything we do, Lord, that we glorify you. Lord, we ask you this time to be with us as we go to class this evening, Lord. That we be with our teachers, be with us as we learn more about you. Let it plot to our lives so that way we are a shining light. <clears throat> Lord, just continue to be with our youth, be with our sick, be with, be with ones who are dealing with cancer, be with our widows and our shut-ins, Lord. Lord, we know that you know them by name, and we have so many that we're thinking of and praying for, Lord, but we pray that you be with them and their families and the ones who are taking care of them. Lord, continue to be with us tonight. Let us grow spiritually stronger in you, Lord. Most of all, thank you for sending your Son to die on the cross for us. Forgive us, Lord, when we do fall short. It's in Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Number 378. Just a few more days. <clears throat> I have a frog in my throat this evening. <clears throat> Just a few more days to be filled with friends and to tell the old, old story. Then when twilight falls and my Savior I shall go to him in glory. I'll exchange my cross for a starry crown where the gates swing outward never. At its feet I'll lay every burden down and with Jesus reign forever. Just a few Bird. 
345. <clears throat> when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea
invitation to song will be number 781, Wonderful Story of Love, 781. Good evening. <clears throat> Have you ever been cursed? I don't mean somebody used bad words at you, but have you ever been cursed? What do you think? Let me uh, explain a little bit. I think we all are. We are all under the curse of sin. And sin has those consequences that uh, we can't deal with on our, on our own. So my topic tonight is the curse and the cure and the promise. Those three things. There's quite a few scriptures. Please pick up your Bibles and follow along your phone, however you want to do that. Isaiah 59 is the first one. Isaiah 59, 1 through 3. This is the curse. Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood. And your fingers with iniquities. Your lips have spoken falsehood. Your tongue mutters wickedness. That's the curse. You've got the blood on your hands. It's your fault. It's my fault also. Sin is the reason for that. My sin caused Christ to go to the cross. Your sin also. It's our fault. We're guilty. The curse is there. Our sin separated us from God. It sent Jesus to the cross. The next scripture is Matthew chapter 27. Follow along, please. Similarly, listen to the story here. 27 verses 22 through 25. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, Crucify him. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more, saying, Crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water. And he washed his hands 
in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. And listen what the people said. The people said, his blood be on us and on our children. Why would you wish that for your child? Why would you wish it for yourself? doesn't make sense. It's a curse. It's going to cost you. What about Pilate? Did he wash his hands of it? He tried, but there's nothing going to wash that curse away that we can do. Romans 6 23 for the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord death we all know what death is we've lost loved ones we understand that concept and we're all going to go through it someday anyway whether we understand it or not. But there's another death. And it's a separation from God because our sin separates us from him. And if we don't get rid of that curse, that's what's going to happen. What's, what's, what's that going to be like? An existence without God, without love, Without righteousness and, and, and justice, you know, we need justice. Without justice, nothing is fair and nothing is ever resolved. Without mercy, without grace, and we're without forgiveness and without peace. But What you do have is anger, pain, hatred, prejudice, sorrow, failure, loneliness, and no hope. That's a curse. The cure. 1 John chapter 2. Verses 1 and 2. I love the way that John writes to his congregations. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sin. And not for ours only, but for also the whole world. He's the propitiation. I looked that word up, and it means a substitute for somebody else is paying your bills. 
Also, some of the commentators said it directly refers back to the mercy seat. The mercy seat on the ark that the high priest would go in once a year and sprinkle blood on that for the remission of sin, for the removal of sin from the people and for himself. The mercy seat. That's what God, Jesus is to us. He's our mercy seat. Hebrews 9, 13 and 14. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh. If that was possible, then how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, how he cleansed your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. That's the cure. Jesus is the cure. There's no other one. I can't do what he did, and you can't either. You can't do it for me, and I can't do it for you. He's done it for us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. <clears throat> In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. I like that word lavished. I like being lavished upon, don't you? Yeah, I think so. This was interesting in, in looking at the commentaries on, on this particular verse. One of them was the Lutheran Bible, which is in German. And I love the German language. I love what it says and how it says it. So listen. Well, Schellen, reichlich weiterfahren ist durch allerlei. Weisheit und Klugheit. Well, that was that verse I just read a while ago. I'm not going to translate it anymore for you. Galatians chapter 3. And verses 13 and 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse, there's the curse, of the law, having become a curse for us. He's carrying the curse now. He took it away from us, took it off of us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, 
and that was him. What a cure. Which is stronger, God's love for us or God's hate for sin? Are they equal? I don't know, but I sure am glad he loves us. He made his own son to become sin so that we might have that righteousness through him. I think love is the stronger of the two. Romans chapter 3. Verse 23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. There's the cure again. It's in Jesus Christ. We are all guilty, cursed, but we can all be justified, cured by Jesus' grace and his sacrifice. The last point, the promise. Look at Revelations chapter 7, verse 19, 13 through 17. <clears throat> Pardon me, verse 9. I'm sorry. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count. From every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Skip down just a little to 13. Then one of the elders answered saying to me these who are clothed in white robes who are they and where have they come from and I said to him my lord you know and he said to me these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb for this reason they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple and he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. They will hunger no longer nor thirst any more nor will the sun beat down on them nor any heat for the lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd and will guide them to springs where the water of life and God shall wipe every tear from their eyes. <laughs> what a promise. What a curse 
What a cure and what a promise. That promise is for us. Look at Acts chapter 2. We all know this, but I want to show you something else there. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. Remember what the Jews said about the lady's blood be on us and on our kids? Well, the promise is for us and for our kids. The cure's there. One more. Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God, and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street on either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it His bondservants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will no longer be any night and they will not have need for the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun because the Lord God will illumine them and they will reign forever and ever. That's the answer. No more curse. It's gone. How can you take advantage of that? Have you been washed in the blood? That's what washes away the sin that causes the curse in the first place. Take care of that tonight if you need to. And if you have other needs, please come and we'll have the elders address those problems. Please come as we stand and we sing. Wonderful story of love, tell it to me.
skip the last song since we're running along and be dismissed in prayer. Let's pray. Dear God, we come to you at this time, Father, thanking you so much for the opportunity to be here, Lord, midweek to worship you, Father, to sing praises to you. So thankful for Joe's abilities and um, time he put into preparing a lesson. We thank you for that lesson, Father. And Father, we are, are so mindful of so many in our uh, congregation that are struggling this day, Father, with various health issues. And we continue to pray for each one of them. Be with Jim Haney, Father, at this time. We pray that uh, the doctors, um, you'll be with them as they develop a treatment plan for, for him and just, just be with him and comfort him and Kathy and, and be with, continue to be with Jennifer and, um, and uh, Kristen and Yvonne and Gail's son and so many others, Father, all those that were mentioned earlier, we pray for each one of them and remember each one of them, Lord. And, and Father, just be with us as we uh, are dismissed to go to our Bible classes. We thank you for the privilege to be able to study from your word. You give us your word to, to guide us and lead us through this, um, this difficult world, Father. And we thank you that we have that. We pray that we will um, study seriously and become better Bible students, Father, that we can be more like your son Jesus as we live in this world father be with us the rest of this evening forgive us when we do fall short it's through Jesus Christ we pray amen
Mine's on. Oh, there it is. There it is. Test. Got it. Thanks, guys. We're short on time. Uh, I don't know how we got uh, that far uh, beyond what we're supposed to do, but um, I had some more to present to you anyway. I added to what we covered last time. Um, so if we get to discussion at the end, fine. But I want to get all of this on the table, so bear with me. And if we don't get to discussion on this topic until next week, then we don't get to discussion on this topic until next week. Okay? Jeremy's out there. I thought they said it was ready to go. They said it was ready to go, but it's not. Could you pull up the PowerPoint? Thanks. One of my new responsibilities as elders is, is the duck blind, and I'm going to learn everything there is back there to learn and not ever have to rely on anybody else again in my life for that. For that. <laughs> Jeremy's going to fix me up real quickly here. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, your job, yeah. It's that Bible information uh, PowerPoint in the lower left-hand corner on the desktop on the left screen. I'm, I'm. This is okay. This isn't. Microphone is just fine. Oh, I can tell you this. Uh, where'd Joe go? There he is. Joe said that I tail off, trail off on some of my uh, uh, things. So I'm just going to clip this to my lip here. And we're just going to do it that way. How's that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. But I had to get Joe. I will do my best to finish all of my sentences at the same volume that I started them. Okay. Looks like we might be there. We are. Okay. Sermon on Oh, here we go. We're down here, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, we're guiding guide you into all truth. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, and these first few slides were uh, preparatory to that. I'm going to run through them quickly, uh, except this uh, first one. Most of what I find on the Internet for when people say, what are the jobs of the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do for us? Um, and if I added the phrase separate apart from what he does 
for us through his word, this is where you find most of their responses. What's going on in John 13, 17? It's the upper room. It's the last meeting Jesus has with his apostles. He promises, he tells them, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. You'll be okay. The comforter is going to come and do all sorts of things for you. Going to bring your remembrance, guide you into all truth, uh, give you work miracles to, you know, confirm your word. And I don't know if that was part of that, but it, but it was earlier when they went out um, with the sending out of the 12 and earlier. So he promises them a bunch of things. The mindset of the apostles at the time, they didn't know what was facing them. They didn't know what was ahead of them. And he was doing everything he could to comfort them in the challenge that they were going to have after his death and resurrection and ascension back to God. Here are some of the products of the Holy Spirit for the apostles. John 14, Joel and Psalms, those uh, that are mentioned in Acts 2, uh, focus on Jesus spreading gospel. Uh, Mark 16, 20, the miracles that were going to confirm their words and uh, words actually being placed in their mouth. Don't worry if you're going to be called in front of governors and kings and, and princes. The very words that you speak are going to be given to you. Jesus is trying to tell them, don't worry. It's going to be okay because you're not on your own. You've got the comforter. And that's a, an extreme blessing that they really couldn't identify with until it actually happened. And when it did happen and they were able to call upon uh, the Holy Spirit for inspiration and for strength and for uh, the very words placed in their mouth, that had to give them considerable courage and confidence in the face of any opposition that they had. So here are the, and I'm going to run through these quickly because we looked at these last week also. If you weren't here, uh, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't, just don't want to slow down for most of the people who were. Were Jesus' words just as true for us as they were for the apostles in the upper room? Here's one alternative, no. John 14, 17, the world cannot receive him, the Holy Spirit cannot see him or know him, the Holy Spirit, but you can. He abides with you and in you, okay? We'll talk about that. Yes, we talk on a later slide about um, the Spirit dwelling in us, and we also talk about God dwelling in us and Jesus dwelling in us. But for the apostles, it was just a little bit different. We have to say, admit that. He will guide you into all truth. He will, in this particular time frame, when they go out, Call to your remembrance everything that Jesus has said. That's not to us. We can call everything Jesus has said that's recorded for us in his word. But he, the Holy Spirit is going to bring to, what is that? There's current memory and, and then there's stored memory and computers or something like that. There's RAM and... ROM or something, random access, or I don't know what that all that was. But the one is, is where it's available to you. He's going to bring everything that Jesus has ever said to them so that they will be able to pass that on to others. And John 15, 16, and then in 26, 27, I chose you bear, for you to bear witness with me and of me from the beginning. Anything that you ask on this mission, anything that you ask in my name, which means by my authority, or that relates to your work, I'm assuming, you got it. It's going to be given you. 
The Holy Spirit's going to be there to provide that for you. Holy Spirit, where Jesus' uh, words just as true for us as they were for the apostles in the room. On the yes side of the ledger, we can say the Holy Spirit inspired those who were in that room who did writing, those who recorded some of the things that those who were in that room spoke were inspired of God, those who wrote without interacting with the apostles wrote by the inspired, by the Holy Spirit. And as a result, yes, when he says, we will, we will be guided into all truth, he's talking to the apostles, they're going to be guided into all truth in a little bit different way, but we are going to be guided into all truth because of what it says in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration for reproof, correction, doctrine, instruction, and there's another one. I can't remember what it is. Everything related to life and godliness, we know that passage, 2 Peter 1, 3, because I quote it a lot. Uh, the word of God converts, according to 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. It's not humans that do the converting. Yes, we are vehicles. Yes, we are sometimes the medium or the means of delivering God's word to somebody, but it's God's word that, that converts, and that God's word is a product of the Holy Spirit. And there are other uh, benefits. Here are some passages uh, that talk about the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And we looked at that. And uh, so we acted, we uh, asked how that takes place. And in, in almost, well, there's one there. Through the Holy Spirit, uh, guard the treasure through the Holy Spirit. And that treasure is the standard of sound words you heard from me. So the relationship between what the Holy Spirit provides for us and the word of God on the other hand. Other things, we have to ask ourselves, are we talking about dwelling in us in a literal sense, a physical sense, or are we talking in a representative sense? And if we do, then we've got these other things that dwell, they, the scriptures say, dwell in us. God dwells in us, and uh, two or three or four passages there, and there are probably others. Jesus dwells in us. So is that literally or representatively, when Paul says, and I when Paul says, just trying to remember the passage, um, it's not I who do things, it is what? Christ living in me. Christ dwelling in me. Now, is there physically some part of my body that houses Christ? Jesus Christ. No. Paul was saying, he was inspired, number one, but his actions were a result of the convictions that he had made in his mind to follow Christ. The knowledge that he had of the old law and how he applied that in working to convert Jews. And he was taking that information, that word from God, either inspired or from the old law, to live out Christ as closely as he could in his life. He was doing that. Christ wasn't actively inside of him making him do something. Paul had free will. And so as a result, when he says, it's not I that you see, it's what I have adopted as, as my life. I'm living the life of Christ 
through me out to the world. So, yet, he says, Christ lives in me. There are other things that say that dwell in us. Sin, the word of Christ, truth, faith, the love of God, and eternal life. All of those are, are you, they use that same term.